Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you both in your life and your financial vineyard. We take you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Anne Arsio. Welcome, Anne. Hi, Amy. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's um, today we're kind of following that same pattern that we have throughout the rest of this month where we're talking about emotion and money and all the stuff that goes along with that. Uh, and, and Anne and I are going to dig into some money philosophies between couples uh, because actually financial related issues are one of the leading causes of divorce. So we want to talk a little bit about how couples with different money philosophies might be able to work out some of those uh, conversations and communication tact. I should say tactics, if that's the right term. But before we dig into that, it is Friday. We usually record on Fridays. And because it's Friday morning, and uh, because, yeah, it's Friday morning, I don't have a glass of wine in front of me. But generally on Friday mornings, I pick out the bottle of wine that I'm going to have Friday afternoon. Mm. <laughs> and this morning, I have picked out a, which is very unusual for me, but it's actually a Riesling. I'm not much of a Riesling fan, but... As I was going through our options this morning that I had in the wine closet, I came across one of my favorites from a winery called Prejean, which is in uh, upstate New York. They have a Riesling that is uh, at the very end of the fermentation process, they throw in some oak chips. So it's kind of got like a butteriness of Chardonnay, but it's crisp like a Riesling. So it's and some people have likened it, I think, to like some um, Sauvignon Blancs, but it's too buttery for that to me. Like the first time I ever had this particular wine, I was convinced the label on it was wrong. Like, I swore it was, but it wasn't quite a Chardonnay either. You know, it was like one of those like tricky wines. So, um, so that is what I will be drinking tonight. Any particular beverage uh, that you might be enjoying with two kids and a husband running around the house? <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> Probably not, but I think I would like to try the one you mentioned. Sounds good. I'll have some shift to you. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> well, as I opened up in this particular session, I, you know, we're February being the leading month for Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, I always like to talk about um, being a hallmark month, I should say. 
Last statistic I read was that the average person spent about $125 in gifts uh, and even more on dinner out for Valentine's Day specifically. And that's assuming that it's not like an engagement kind of Valentine's Day or, you know, something big like that. Um, Now, that to me is a a pretty big um, dollar figure (laughs) because I'm thrifty, I guess you want to say. Um, but but also when I look at like what the average debt and the American is carrying at the same time, and I think, gosh, one hundred and twenty five dollars plus, you know, two hundred bucks on dinner potentially. And if you're looking at the average person carrying like sixteen thousand dollars in credit card debt, that to me is like, OK, you know, that's that's I'm not going to judge. But that, you know, it's one of those things that I'm like, gosh, you know, is that are people thinking about that spending and and removing the emotion behind it. And, you know, from my perception, the answer is no. In fact, I think I've told you before, Anne, when Brett and I were dating, um, he was so sweet. He got me like for Valentine's Day, there was like a big teddy bear and lots of roses. And, but, you know, he like treated me really super special. I'm like, oh, I'm so special. And then, you know, for a couple of years while we dated, that was what Valentine's Day was about. And then the first year that we were married, you know, it's we were married in August. So the first February after he did the same thing. And I said, honey, that now that it's our money, do not spend that kind of money on roses <laughs> or teddy bears, because I'd rather like use it when we go on vacation together. And mm-hmm. I think you know, that was a very early introduction of from Brent's, you know, angle of like, okay, then. <laughs> I'm trying to do something really sweet to show you my love. And you're saying, don't do that. Like, uh, this is, uh, I think he even said, what landmine am I about to step on here? (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, no, seriously. Like, you know, if you want to go out to dinner some other night when it's less expensive, or, you know, if you want to go to like a winery sometime, like make dinner at home, make something. Yeah. yeah, Well, for us too, I mean, you know, we're so busy like that time together. And again, just saving that kind of money for me is I'm a safety and security person, which basically means I, um, you know, I am, I, I worry about having enough money. It's what I also call like the bad lady syndrome. So even, even when I'm earning enough and even when we have enough in savings, like somebody could perceive me as being somewhat like, um, selfish around money because I don't spend it. You know, I just, I'm very nervous about spending money. Even when money that we've saved, I'm sometimes very nervous about spending. Mm-hmm. So I could be perceived as, as that kind of, um, miser, I guess is another term or Scrooge. Um, <laughs> But, you know, especially by somebody who is falls into a category of like love and belonging, who's all about giving, you know, I show my love by giving, I, I give gifts, I give money, I give, you know, more than in some cases, more than I should necessarily, because that's the way that I show my love. So if you have a a couple that has those two or, or another um, step up there is self-esteem, which self-esteem spenders have that tendency to spend money, you know, sort of like the Joneses. So I I buy something that um, makes it look like I have money, even mm-hmm. if I don't necessarily, you know. So you get those different personalities within spending and within a relationship. And if they aren't, if there isn't some communication or some agreement boy, conflict can really, really, really rise, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know over the years, Anne, as you've worked in our profession, and certainly as I have, we've definitely 
been in those rooms where the conversation's uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And those spouses aren't on the same page at all when it comes to their money philosophy and they're pointing fingers at each other. So when we... When we see that, what are some tips that we might or some techniques that we might use as financial planners and other people could use as well to sort of get on the same page? Yeah, so I can, I, I have three tips that I'd like to share. Um, first, starting off with communication and just coming from a place of understanding, like take a step back and, you know, what is your um, spouse's or your partner's money style? And are they more of a safety security um, you know, or they love and belonging, are they more of that spender and they want to buy gifts? And, you know, so just take a step back, take the emotions out of it and think about their personality and what's driving their spending habits and kind of what fears and emotions go into it. Cause it's not about you. And I think, you know, that can help your communication. And then, you know, we also, um, have tips that we help clients set up different accounts, um, so that they can have different spending styles and it's less conflict. Um, and then also, you know, working with a third party to, um, help you set big picture goals and make sure, you know, we have you step back and just do some dreaming and some goal setting together. And, and then as planners or working with a money coach, we talk about, okay, what's going to go into helping you reach those goals. And once you both know that, you know, this is what's okay to spend in order for you to reach your big picture goals, and that takes some of the emotion out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that like taking the emotion out, as we've been talking about, that's the critical piece. You said that a couple of different times. I think it's important also to, I mean, that's our, I said this earlier in one of the other podcasts, I'm like shameless plug, but totally like what you were just saying, it's, it's by bringing a planner in and having somebody else that's not emotionally connected, you are in a sense, like getting advice of uh, taking the heat out of the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because of safe place that you can talk about it with third party and, you know, they they don't have their emotions invested into it. So they can just kind of look at a big picture and give you this advice. And it just, you know, makes it so much easier and less emotional. Now, when when you think about, uh, you know, having those big picture goals, as you mentioned, um, being on finding that same page, finding that that great spot to be in, how would you maybe if somebody wants to spend money a particular way outside of those big picture goals, like I don't want to have to tell you every dollar I'm spending, or I don't want to, I still want to make sure I can give a, a certain amount. Like, you know, how do you do that in a way that is sort of like agreeable at the same time? I mean, I know setting a budget is helpful, but are there other things that we could suggest that people put in place that might help them with that or maybe be more visible to them? Yeah, I think using different, like having different spending accounts. So I think um, having, you know, joint saving accounts, setting those big picture goals, and then having automatic transfers into those savings accounts. So, hey, you Mm -hmm. both know that those big goals are taken care of. Have that account that's going to pay your fixed bills. I mean, you both need to make sure the rent, the mortgage is paid, the utilities are paid. So just have that one account that's going to cover just that and then have two separate spending accounts that you're allowed to, you know, go shopping or do whatever you want or put more into savings. (laughs) That's your thing. But, you know, those two separate accounts or it's no judgment, you're free to spend that money the way that you want. (laughs) And for some people, that really is the the case. For other people, it's... um, 
you know, I'm a big believer in his, hers and ours in situations where there's conflict. You know, if there's, if there's financial conflict in a household, then I'm a, a huge believer in that. And for some people, they look at you like, why would I ever do that? You know, it's a, it, it really, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think it's what works for your family. That's probably mm-hmm. the best, best solution. Um, you know, one, one other, I, I guess idea that I'd like to explore that, um, that you and I really haven't talked about. So we're, we're kind of winging it a little bit. It's, uh, and it just kind of popped into my head because I'm wondering, you have two young children and, you know, you're, it sounds from conversations you and I have, it sounds like you and your husband are on the same page with regards to, to some of the goals that you have for your children. But what if, what if one person says like around, even like primary education, but it could also be college. One person says, well, my parents didn't pay for any of my college and, and I val- therefore I valued it more. I took it more seriously. And I have that same side of sort of philosophy that that's what my kids are going to do. And then the other person says, well, I, it, you know, I walked out of school with a ton of debt because nobody helped me and I don't want to do that for our kids. I don't want to burn them that way. How do you, how do you kind of come to a middle ground in a situation? And it could be anything really, but how do you kind of come to a middle ground where both of you can bring that value to the table and, and maybe find a middle location where you can both live with both of you not giving your full way, you know? It's- well, yeah. I mean, I think that's marriage or partnership in general is finding that middle ground. And I actually, my husband and I kind of lived this story. Like my parents didn't help me with school. So I came out with, I worked full time, went to school part time, had some student loans. Like I was on my own. Um, my husband was, everything was taken care of for him. Um, you know, it was really challenging for him to become an adult on his own and live like he was an accounting intern, had a very small income and like living on his own for the first time. Like it was really overwhelming for him. So like we had both extremes in our childhood. And so, you know, his thought was like, well, you just pay for everything. You do everything for him. And my thought was like, well, I got a lot of independence. So I think we just communicated as much as we could and talked about our experience and realized like there is that middle ground. We can, Mm -hmm. you know, provide some support, but also encourage them to get a job, have open communication about money, um, see what they can contribute. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's just what a partnership is, is that you're going to come from two different backgrounds a lot of times and, and just learning where you can compromise and and find that Mm -hmm. that middle ground where your kids kind of get the best, best of both because I think his was like his parents doing too much. Mine was like, I could have used a little bit more support or, you know, just um, kind of talked about money with my parents more would have been really helpful. Um, And so I feel like Mm -hmm. we can kind of offer a little bit of what we both gained from our experiences. Yeah, I love that. So your children are real young, right? So I love that you guys are already talking about this is my personal like I love that you guys are already talking about what your kids are going to contribute. I just think that's so phenomenal. <laughs> I, I think that's awesome. That, you know, for for as young as they are, that you guys are already having that conversation. And I and I do think that it's important, in regardless of what the big topic is, regardless of what the big purchase is, what the big goals are. Um, people that are listening, if they've been listening this month, the theme throughout here is, you know, money date with couples. Mm-hmm. And um, Kate, when we recorded the podcast earlier this month, she made the, she said, I know you and Brent do this. And and we do, we, we sit down once a month and we, we go through our finances and we talk about what's coming up and, you know, what, what we know we're going to be spending money on and, you know, 
what we spent money on that we're like, uh, well, that one was unexpected. You know, like we, we learned from some of the things that we've done in the past too. We're not perfect either. Um, but we, we do, when we enter into that conversation, it, we go into it, like if anybody feels tense or like they're being questioned or anything, we have to be reminded that, that we're not, this is not a situation where we're judging. We're, we're going into it that we're learning. And after 20, almost eight years together, it's, I mean, we've actually been together longer, but almost married 28 years. I, I know it, that sounds so simple, but even still there's times where we review our spending and, you know, there's like, well, I just, I just did that particular thing because I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so this month I'm not going to do that. You know, it's, I think you just have to be careful about being judgy if you, if you do have those money dates. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like you guys are on the same team and (laughs) Um, so I think you guys are, you know, you you have to think about it as a team approach. Like you're on the same team and reaching those goals, like you're winning together. And so, you know, if you can stop blaming each other and just focus on like, Hey, what can we do to, to win, to get ahead, to reach this goal and, and still enjoy today while balancing, you know, saving for the future. Um, but I think those money dates are super important. My husband and I do that. We both work in finance, so we love a good spreadsheet. But <laughs> even for those that don't, I think just sitting down, you know, once a month and, and reviewing things is really important. Now, a quick question for you on your money dates, um, because you do have two young children that are in your household as well. Do you do you go outside the house or do you do it like after the kids are in bed or what, you know, before the kids get out? Do you have a particular like every month that you get together or is there any anything that you suggest that works well for you or it's just when we get a few minutes, we chat about it? Yeah, as you can hear, I'm getting interrupted right now. So <laughs> it can be challenging, but um, I, we sometimes will do it after they go to bed. A lot of times on Saturday morning, like we'll let them watch some Saturday morning cartoons and we've poured our coffee and we'll just sit down and review things. Um, we also have a kind of a Google sheet that we both share and we'll kind of, you know, look at it together. Or, I mean, separately periodically and, and make sure we're kind of on the same page with stuff. Um, that so goes yeah, back to you and you both enjoy a good spreadsheet. Yeah, <laughs> we really do. And we also, I have to say both of us are, I think we're kind of the love and belonging. Um, and yeah. I think because we know the numbers, we can do what we need to do, even though we tend to be spenders. Yeah. I think, um, when you think about that love and belonging aspect of things, it, it, sometimes self-actualization and Maslow's hierarchy can ask, can mask itself as one of those other categories. Because self-actualization says, I'm, I am spending my money in a way that matches my values. So, you know, it, it, it might, it, the love and belonging side might, you might have gotten to the point where the love and belonging side matches your values. So you're not over spending, you know, you're not putting yourself in a negative financial situation mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. giving certain amounts of money where love and belonging can be a problem is when you give too much. Like, you know, you're, you're putting yourselves at risk financially by overgiving, but self-actualization can look like love and belonging, or it can look like safety and security. It's whatever your default might be, but it's not overextending 
you know, that, that giving. I mean, we've worked with clients over the years that have put themselves in financial situations. And again, I don't want to sound judgy because that's not my place, but um, you've read articles. I sure, I'm sure Anne and I certainly have where it's like cut the cord. You know, right. you're, if your adult children are coming back to you and asking for you, asking you to support them in their life because they overspend and they want you to give them money, that can be a dangerous cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it can get people into trouble. And we have to be cautious and, and be aware of that sort of thing. Or if you have somebody in a marriage that, that gives too much to other family members without the other person being fully on board with that support, that can be a problem. So you may be in this self-actualization phase of Maslow's because your values are matching your spending goals, which might be the love and belonging. Like It makes you feel good when you support. And, and, yeah, and I think we've way. looked for ways to honor that. Set. Like Valentine's Day for us, it's like I make heart pancakes in the mornings for everyone. <laughs> and like, you know, my husband and I will probably like enjoy some wine and like we'll make sure that we still honor that holiday and throw in some romance there and something fun for the kids without it you know, being something that costs us a lot of money. So yeah, yeah. I love the fact that you're, you know, you incorporate Valentine's Day with the kids too, right? It's not just about husband and wife or partnerships. Um, It's also about, it's a, it's a way to, it's a, I call it the Hallmark, you know, holiday, but it, it truly is a way for you to pause sometimes and say, Hey, I love you. And in our busy lives, if it has to be a Hallmark calendar event to or holiday event to uh, make us do that, I mean, so be it. And I agree with you. Like, I'm like you. I'd rather grab a bottle of wine and go to the beach and just sit with Brent <laughs> just because we don't get that time necessarily, just like you guys don't get that time. So time is actually the gift um, that we enjoy with each other. Well, Anne, it's been great chatting with you about this. I love your um, your ideas around good communication skills with spouses that have different money philosophies, some solutions that you've provided, some ideas. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope the jo- listeners have enjoyed this podcast. Feel free to share this with your significant other if you think that they should listen to this, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Also, if you happen to think of a question that you'd like us to answer in our newsletter under asking for a friend section, please feel free to forward that to us. If you have a question around uh, spending, could be particularly about you and your spouse's spending habits or ways to get on the same page, we'd certainly take that question. But it doesn't have to be limited to that. We'd love to hear any questions that you have about money. No question is a stupid question unless it goes unasked. And so we would love to hear what your questions are and what's on your mind around your money, your life, and your dreams. We hope you all enjoyed the show. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rooted PG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.